Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's take a look at verses 15 and 16. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings and bring them into the holy storehouse of the Lord. And let's examine these scriptures. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. My friends, we have been talking recently about Christ, the anointed one. We know that Christ is not the Lord's last name, but rather a title, Messiah, Mashiach in Hebrew. And it means the anointed one. Praise God. Now, we have the mind of the anointed one. And God does not want you to be thinking with an anti-anointing or contrary to his will, which is revealed in his word for you. God wants you to have a prosperity mindset. God does not want you to have a way of thinking or a mindset that would embrace or even tolerate lack, insufficiency, unpaid bills, constant unmet needs. No, God wants you to think like him. Why? Because we have the mind of the anointed one. Now we're not called to have a mind of religion because religion would insinuate the baking in of all of man's ideas. And men have a lot of ideas and concepts about God, about his kingdom that when you actually get into the word and you study it, you find out that that's not really the way God is. And the world wants to hold the church in a pattern of never having enough, of never being in abundance. And the world would try to stamp a false mold on the church that says, well, as Christians, you're supposed to be poor because that's what the Bible teaches. Whereas in reality, the anointing destroys all of the awful consequences, or I, I would say the workings of lack and insufficiency. The anointing is God's divine empowerment upon your life. It's an empowerment to prosper. It's an empowerment to, as we would say, swim upstream like the salmon does when everything else is flowing downhill. Praise God. So my friends, you have that anointing of the Lord Jesus. Let it touch your mind. Don't embrace thoughts of poverty. Don't think uh, thoughts of scarcity or lack, but rather let your mind be influenced by the anointing of Jesus, the anointed one himself. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And tithing is not a church doctrine. Tithing is rather a covenant obligation. And that is the anointed mindset. In other words, it's not a wrong mindset of like, well, it's just another duty I have to do. No. Tithing is the joyful thing that connects us to a financial covenant 
with the Lord. And the tithing or, or, or tithing is the systematic giving of your 10% of your income of whatever increase there is in your life, whether an inheritance came into you, the sale of a home or something along that line, 10% belongs to the Lord. And as we honor the Lord with the tithe and as we sow special seed as the Holy Spirit leads, my friends, you will find that that anointing of prosperity and increase begins to affect literally the way you think. You know, I listened to a great runner. Uh, he was the, actually still the world record holder today in the mile and the men's 1500 meters. And he said there was a point in his life when he was younger that he would not win certain track meets and certain races. But he said when he was at the peak of his game, the thought of not winning became foreign to him. But the idea of finishing second or third place, it became something that he could not even think about because he had moved into a different way of thinking. My friends, that's what the anointing will do for you, that anointing of Jesus upon your mind concerning finances. It will take you into a winning place where God makes you a financial champion and that you walk like Abraham did on the earth, blessed to be a blessing. Praise God. I see the Lord taking you into overflow and abundance. Now lift your hands and say, I have the mindset, the mentality of the anointed one. Woo. Praise God. That means you think like Jesus. Jesus had a full-time treasurer. Jesus had employees. He had the largest ministry in the nation. Woo. Praise God. It wasn't a little backwoods ministry. No, the anointing is empowerment. I see empowered thoughts coming to you that cause a great uplifting in your finances. Now, along with that anointing, let's cooperate with that flow of the anointing by being obedient to the Lord and honoring God with the tithe, which belongs to him. And also by giving special offerings as the Holy Spirit leads. Praise God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and your offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. For those of you that prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night. Please go to our ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and there on the homepage, you can click that box that says Give, and it has a red heart on it, and you can bring your tithe in right there. If you have something extra that you would like to bring in, a special offering, we have a orange box that says projects, and you can click on that, take your pick, and sow into whatever project the Holy Spirit would lead you to, and I want to say thank you for honoring the Lord with your finances and being such a blessing to this ministry. I see the mind of Christ coming to you, coming to you. You know, those anointed thoughts that divine inspiration touching your mind, God could give you, for example, one stock ticker symbol that's going to go up dramatically. God could give you a cryptocurrency to connect with. God could um, tell you to invest over here in this area of real estate. Those are all effects of the anointed mind. There's no room for scarcity or lack in that type of thinking. Praise God. 
Praise God. My friends, never forget that even when the world would scream recession, when the, when the world would scream inflation, don't think for a moment that there aren't millions upon millions of people making money right in the middle of all of that. <laughs> and I see that your best days are right now and also ahead of you. Step into it today. Amen. Father, bless your people. I thank you that as they honor you with the holy tithe and by giving special offerings, I thank you that you're lifting them higher and higher. I thank you that their breakthrough is here now, that they have the mind of the anointed one, that the anointing of your spirit is flowing all over their minds and their understandings for greater levels of prosperity and financial increase in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Praise God. Now let's take our Bibles today and we're pretty close to it. Let's go over to second Corinthians chapter five. And today I want to talk about the three essential items that I highly suggest that you stock up on in the last days. Woo. Praise the Lord. You know, there's a lot of uh, alarms going off. Oh, we're in the last days. Pastor Stephen is Putin going to push the red button. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever it might be, but we are not yet at the end. There's still more time, but we still need to be aware of uh, the fact that we are in the last days, but yes, there's time. There's time to do mission work. There's time to print Bibles. There's time to build more hospitals. There's time to build Bible schools. There's time uh, for us to build our new television uh, studio. Praise God. There's time. Amen. And God's blessing these works and those that engage in his kingdom expansion with the double portion anointing. But my friends also, as we're in the last days, let's make sure that we stock up on these three items as we venture further into the end times. Now let's pray. Heavenly father, as we jump into your word, let your Holy spirit illuminate, turn the light on these scriptures so that we can understand them and apply them to our lives today. Now we thank you for this in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Let's start in verse six. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now the good news is, is that one day we will be walking by sight. <laughs> there will come a day that you will actually stand before the Lord Jesus and you'll see him face to face. It's going to be that real. You'll be in heaven one day. Praise God. We all will. And there will, there will be a time where things that we once took by faith, we now see and enjoy the substance of them in the world in which we live. Praise God. But the Christian experience, however, cannot be lived properly when we are dictated by our emotions, by our feelings, what we feel or what we sense, because our emotions can run the gamut from ecstatic to maybe not feeling too hot. You know, where you have those days where you feel flatter than a pancake. What do you do during times like that? Those are the times you must continue to walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, there are 
negative circumstances and you can see them and sense them all around, but you don't say, well, yeah, it seems like there's a recession that's cooking out there. I guess we better make plans to just uh, shut everything down. No, we walk by faith and you may be able to see and hear uh, financial reports and things along that line, but oh no, we're going forward. Amen. Because we belong to a different kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear of God's dear son. And it is an eternal kingdom and the gates of hell will never ever prevail against it. We are moving forward. Can you say amen? So we walk by faith, faith in God, faith in God's word, in his promises. And despite the contrary winds, we get the job done. Despite the negative circumstances, we are aware of it, but we don't let that paralyze us with fear. We keep moving forward into our Canaan land, taking out the giants and possessing the inheritance that rightfully belongs to us. Can you say yes today? Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. All right. Now let's go over to Romans chapter four, Romans chapter four, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now we know that that has come true today through Abraham in the presence of him. That would be God whom he that's Abraham believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now I know that the teaching of calling things that are not into into an existence was a subject that was greatly moved forward through the wonderful teachings of Kenneth Hagin, also through uh, God's servant, Charles Capps. And Charles Capps actually wrote a little book about the power of the tongue. And I have seen that little bitty book go all over the world. As a matter of fact, one time my wife and I were in Uganda and uh, staying in a, in a remote little village. And we were actually uh, staying in a missionary hut. And there in that little hut, far away from the NTV airport, way out in the woods, wow, it was pretty rugged out there, but we had a wonderful time. But there, when I went into that little hut to sleep with my wife for the night, there on the little coffee table or the bedstand table right next to the bed, and there was nothing else in there, no TV, no drawers, anything like that, but there was a little uh, table right next to the bed, and there on the little table was Charles Capp's book, the power of the tongue. Wow. <laughs> and he was an expert on teaching in that area of calling things which do not exist as though they did. And that is also what Abraham did. And that is also what God did. Well, Pastor Stephen, how did Abraham do that? Basically by telling people what his name was and they would come up to him and he would say, somebody would say, well, it's nice to meet you. I'm here to buy some cattle from you and, uh, or I'm here to buy some livestock. What's your name? My name's Abraham, which meant father of a multitude. And so the person would probably think, well, you, you must have a lot of children, the father of a multitude. Where are they, where are they at? Well, my, my wife and I actually haven't had any yet, but, um, but I'm calling those things that are not as though they already are. <laughs> As, as though they now exist. And God put him into that with that name. And again, that's an element of walking, not by sight, but by faith 
according to the promises that God gave you as an individual, according to the promises that we find in the Word of God. And as you stand on them and exercise that, you'll come into it. Amen. See, a lot of people are calling, when I say people, I'm talking about Christians, they're calling things that already exist as though they are. It doesn't take any faith to do that. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm poor, and I'm confessing that I'm poor. Well, they, you know, and you're just going around telling people, yeah, I'm poor and broke. Well, that doesn't take any faith to do that. But if you're in a financial struggle to say on the, to stand on God's word and to stand on the finished work of Christ at Calvary and to say, God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Therefore, I call myself blessed. I call these bills paid. I call myself coming out of debt till all of my debts are gone. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. What are you doing? You're calling things that are not as though they are. And you can create your own world when you speak in faith and you can do it also with your body because the devil says, well, just go ahead and embrace your sickness, embrace the, the disease and identify it as your own. But to say, no, I, I choose to believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin and that healing is in that atoning sacrifice by his stripes. I was healed and therefore, I proclaim that God's healing power is working in my body and that sickness and disease is being driven out by the anointed word of God. Amen. What are you doing? You're doing the same thing that God did. You are calling those things which do not exist, whether it's healing or prosperity or whatever it might be, as though they did. And when you do that, and when you continue to do that, you are you are exercising creative power. Now it's not the only factor that needs to be at play in this area of building the type of life that you want and the kind of world uh, that you want to have your life to be, but it is a big part of it. Praise the Lord. And it is something that we need to be aware of and participate in. Now let's go further in this area of working our faith exercising our faith, not walking by sight, but walking by faith. I want to talk about it more. We're going to get into the three essentials that you must stock up on in the last days. I know that some people are big proponents on guns and gold and a getaway plan. And other people, they have different philosophy. Maybe they think that you should stock up on canned beans and rice and spaghetti and a ton of spaghetti sauce. And so everybody seems to have different ideas, this, that, or the other. But I would like to tell, uh, I'd like to tell you three things that you absolutely must have for the last days. Praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's go to 1 Peter. Because Peter, the apostle, in his epistles or his letters, had a lot to say about living and overcoming victoriously in the end of time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Peter chapter one, and let's drop down to verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. So there's something that God has for you, your inheritance. It cannot be corrupted. It's incorruptible. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Those are the days that we're now in, the last time. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Pause just for a moment. There have been some preachers that have tried to take this moment that Peter identifies as for a little while, and they want you to embrace it as a lifetime. That is unscriptural. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now there can be times when God allows you to go through these various trials. And I have heard some preachers say that we should embrace this as a lifestyle. And that's not what Peter taught. And that's neither what Paul taught. Praise the Lord. Here, Peter says for a little while, even with Job and the great difficulties that he went through in his life story, as recorded in the book of Job, most theologians say that didn't last any longer than nine months. But there are some preachers that would make you think that you have to live in some type of ongoing calamity for the rest of your life until Christ comes back. But that's, that's not what the Bible teaches. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now it is very true that some of these trials, which can be challenging to what? Your faith they can be very grievous. <laughs> they can be very, uh, whoo, like, Lord, uh, I'll, be, I'll be glad, Lord, when this one's over. Mm -mm. But it's producing something that God sees that is necessary. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, or the authenticity of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes. I want to come back to that just in a moment, explain that, because technically on paper, gold, it's impossible for it, for it to ever perish. You could actually never uh, get rid of gold. Even if you dematerialize it with certain chemicals, it's still uh, at the most, all it can do is turn it into like fine dust particles. But technically from a scientific point, you can actually never get rid of gold. But yet here, Peter says that gold perishes. A very interesting statement. I want to bring us back to that in a moment. But let's continue. Again, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when it's all said and done, and you stand before the Lord, you want to get this green check. You want to get the big thumbs up from Jesus that your faith held strong, got you through, it enabled you to overcome. And when it's all said and done, you graduate on in the glory and it brings Jesus praise, honor, and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. In other words, you passed with flying colors. Why? Why? Because as you were moving through these trials, you kept the faith. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. Now, to the material known as gold, we apply the action of intense heat that we may know whether it is what it actually appears to be. 
Why do we do this? Because there are many things which appear to be gold. However, they actually aren't gold and therefore they have no real value. Have you ever held the rock pyrite in your hand before? I have, <laughs> and it does look a whole lot like gold. I mean, it's got the sparkle, it's got the color, it's heavy, but you know what? The only problem is that it's not gold, and pyrite is just a rock that's actually called by miners, it's called fool's gold, and it has zero value. My friends, gold, real gold, has value. And there are many things that would appear to be gold and would present themselves as gold. But we have to have the authentic. And it's the same way with your faith. God wants separation and he wants real gold. He wants there to be authentic, real faith in your life. Praise God. Gold in the use of jewelry and a lot of industrial use often has alloys that are mixed into it. And that's understandable, especially in the area of jewelry, because gold is the most malleable metal on the face of the earth. You could take gold and compress it down small, smaller and stretch it out smaller than a hair on your head. And you could stretch it really, really long. It's very, very malleable. But gold, like for example in jewelry, has an alloy mixed into it because it's so soft. And sometimes, if you like the color of jewelry such as rose gold, that means it's pure gold, but it also has uh, other properties like copper mixed into it, and that'll give it that slight red tint. Or perhaps you like white gold, and white gold often has silver that's alloyed into it, and it'll give it that sparkly white color. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But here's the thing, and this is where we get into the nitty gritty. Your faith, though, is different. It's different. Because with your faith, while in jewelry, we work with gold, and we're going to put some alloy in there, and sometimes they do it with coins, because if you have a pure gold coin, and you touch it, or you rub it, or you show it to people, or you, you, you take it and look at it, the more you touch it, you're going to start to wear off the uh, whatever stamped on it. Somebody's face, you keep touching it, it's going to rub off. So that's why many mints, they will mix it in alloy. Yeah, they'll give you an ounce of gold, but they're going to give you a little bit more of an ounce in weight, because there's a few alloys in there, so it's not so soft so that it has some durability. But with our faith, though, God wants no alloy. He wants no mixture, no foreign material mixed in, no impurities allowed. Woo, praise God. So if you combine your faith with that which is impure, it will diminish the luster and beauty of your Christian experience. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. So you're going to have to put a lot of emphasis on developing your faith, and that means keep the impurities out. For example, you could have 90% golden faith, 
but then you have 10% pride. Mm. You know, sometimes on gold uh, or silver, it'll say 0.999 pure. What does that mean? There, it means there's like a 1% that's still in there that's impure that they haven't gotten out. So you could have standards like that too. You could, you're trying to bump up to 100%, but you could have 90% of pure faith, but maybe 10% pride where you want to take the credit for yourself. You feel like God should pat you on the back and that he should be uh, admiring you when we should be giving all the praise and the glory to the Lord. Or you could have 85% pure faith, but there's still some alloy, maybe 15% of sensuality, maybe some loving of the world that's mixed into that. And that is something that God wants consumed by fire. You could have 95% golden faith, but maybe 5% selfishness, maybe 5% uh, foolishness even, and that could, that could cause damage mm. or 70% golden faith. But there's a mixture where you have maybe 30% doubt and unbelief <laughs> that pops in there often. Mm. Well, how does God purify our faith? He does it the same way that gold is purified through brief periods of intense heat. Now, again, there is good news to this message, which is that the intense heat is only for a little while. It's not for a lifetime. So anytime you feel yourself going through the fiery trial or the testing of your faith, you acknowledge that the purpose is for that, for the testing of your faith. And you also need to acknowledge this is not going to last forever. This is going to be over with any day. Praise God. I'm popping out of this thing. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. But it's going to refine your faith. So what you need to do during those intense moments where you're being refined like gold is, you have to stay in the word, stand on the word, confess the word, meditate the scriptures and find those scriptures that build up your faith and also pray according to those scriptures with a clear target in mind of overcoming and being the person that God has called you to be and doing and getting done what he's called you to do and to accomplish. Mm -mm. Praise God. So God wants your faith to be as pure gold. Mm. Now I want to share something today. Gold and faith actually have some incredible similarities. Both are, we could say rare, and therefore they are highly valuable. Now look, when you stand before the Lord on that day, you want it to be a day where it's reflected that the glory and the honor of the praise are rendered to the Lord because of the purity that you're walking in. And the alloy is not mixed in with your faith, but your faith is in God. Woo! I'm going somewhere with this subject as we are venturing further into the end times. Praise God. The greatest hour that the church has ever had. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. See, and the first miracle that Jesus ever did was at the wedding in Cana. 
and the best wine was brought out when? At the beginning? Excuse me. No, at the end. God's going to bring out the best wine, the power move of the Spirit at the end. At the end, He's going to give us the former rain and the latter rain. That's called a, that's called a gusher, an all-out downpour. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. And rain symbolizes the Holy Spirit coming in great power. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, I want to talk a little bit about some of these similarities, but let me, before we go further with faith, let me share some interesting attributes of gold. Mm. First of all, gold has no expiration date. See, you can go to the grocery store and buy a can of beans, and although they're going to last for a while, eventually they're going to expire. But gold has no expiration date. Gold cannot be counterfeited. It can't be deflated by the printing, even the overprinting of paper money. Gold is fireproof. Gold is waterproof. Gold has an endless shelf life. I mean, you could let it sit on a shelf for a million years. <laughs> And after a million years, it's still the same block of gold. Isn't that amazing? It has an endless shelf life. Unlike wood and other materials, gold is insect and bug resistant. You know, uh, termites can crawl all over it, but it doesn't do anything to it. It is internationally accepted. It's transcultural. People around the world accept it, in other words. It's translingual. Everybody can understand the word gold and its value and its purpose. It's transpolitical. All governments want as much of it as they can get. Hmm. It's transgeographical. It goes around the world with its value understood by all humans. It's transmillennial. Well, now hold on, Pastor Stephen. When we left 1999 and came into the year of the new millennium 2000, it's now irrelevant. No, it's not. It's more popular than ever before. Gold is transmillennial. Gold is easy to store. You can store a million dollars worth of it in a shoebox this big, size 10 and a half shoes, a shoebox that will hold one pair of shoes, you can put a million dollars worth of gold in a shoebox. It requires no maintenance. Gold does not need feeding. It is not diminished by inflation. Gold is not subject to weather damage. It's not like, uh, you know, if the rain comes down, the gold just falls apart. No, it doesn't affect it. doesn't matter what the humidity or the temperature is. It's not subject to weather damage. It lasts for thousands of years. Gold is also easily transported. Unlike diamonds and other gems, gold cannot be artificially produced. Gold, last I checked, it's kind of like land. It's not being made anymore. Now, there are the rare exceptions to that, such as a, such as a volcano, going off somewhere out in the Pacific, 
the South Pacific Seas, creating a new island or something like that. And it is true that when volcanoes erupt, there are certain things, chain reactions, chemical reactions that take place that bring gold up closer to the surface of the earth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that more of it is being made. So gold is a private God given asset. Did you ever notice that God is the one who assigned value to land and to silver and gold? Somebody said, oh, it's just a metal. It's not worth anything. No, no. God's the one that assigned value to it. Not man. God did. So when God assigns value, you know, it has a lasting value. Praise the Lord. And by the way, many of these qualities that I've just shared about gold can also be applied to silver as well. But my friends, wow, we have a problem. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, don't tell me about the problem. I was just about to go out and take out all of my life savings and go buy a bunch of gold coins. Hold on just a moment. We have a problem. Mm. And you need to understand <laughs> what the problem is and how to react to it. Again, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse six, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if indeed be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now get ready, we're about to go into verse seven. Verse seven, that the genuineness, the authenticity of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found, that is your faith, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you just notice that the Apostle Peter said that gold perishes? Now, Pastor Stephen, you just ran off about 20 attributes of gold, all very fascinating, and it seems to me that gold's going to be around forever. But here, Peter says, gold that perishes. Mm. And this means, uh, not what some have tried to take this and twist and says, well, that just means it can rust. No, that's not what we're talking about here. He said gold that perishes. So we have a problem here with gold. Pastor Stephen, what is the problem? Why is it going to perish? Well, the same apostle under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that said this also tells us why in his second letter. Let's go over there, Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, and let's go to verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Have you ever even wondered why some sinners lived to be so old. Some sinners that maybe even in their life they've mocked God or they keep living to their nineties, maybe even over a hundred and they still reject Christ. Maybe they use profanity. Maybe they're uh, crude or whatever the case might be yet. They keep on living maybe to 103 or 105. What's going on? God's great love, God's great patience that with some, he would give such an extension of time solely for the reason 
that they might in those latter years, at least then turn to him, consider him and receive salvation. It's all because of God's patience and his goodness. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. It's eventually going to come as a thief in the night in which the heavens, please pay very careful attention in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements. What is gold? What is iron? What are all of these various metals? They're elements. Gold on the elemental chart is a U. There are, if I'm correct, I think 118 elements on the uh, chart. Praise the Lord. But gold's one of them. Okay. Watch this. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things, which would include gold, silver, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements that would include gold will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What's taking place here? First of all, you have to understand that the earth is never going to be destroyed. There are various scriptures in God's word that clearly state that. What Peter is referring to here is not a destruction where something is completely done away with and it's gone. No. What Peter is talking about here is an is a phenomenal cleansing and the cleansing is going to take place by fire. The earth will be cleansed, even the universe will be cleansed. Why? Somebody might think, well, why will the universe be cleansed? Did you know that if you were in outer space and let's say that you're on the planet Jupiter, did you know that radio signals from our earthly radio stations, many of those are sent off in the space. They just, they go off in the space and there's rock and roll music that is now traveling throughout the universe because of these various signals. And all of that is going to have to be cleansed. How? By fire. All of the garbage and junk on the earth is going to have to be cleansed. Even our oceans. Do you know how much junk there is at the bottom of the oceans? I have a map of the North Carolina coast and just off the coast of North Carolina, there are thousands, not hundreds, thousands of ships that have sunk. But if you look at it on a global scale, there's garbage all over the bottom of the ocean. There's thousands upon thousands of ships. There's even nuclear submarines that have sunk and their reactors are still functioning. So there's contamination and garbage and junk all over the world. There's pornography in the air. There's uh, porno pornographic magazines. There's material and garbage and junk. There's uh, narcotics. There's all kinds of evil all over the earth. All of that 
Peter says, will be cleansed with a phenomenal fire. Mm. And even, are you ready for this? Even your gold, even if it says 0.99999% pure, it's still it's not up to the standard that God requires. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Why? Because it's not, it's not, it's not pure the way God wants it to be. And it never can be, unlike your faith, which can. Mm. In the year 1957, the Perth Mint, there in Australia, which, along with the Canadian Mint, are probably the two best mints on the earth. I'd, I'd say the U.S. is probably third. But the Perth Mint in 1957, they did produce a bar of gold that was 99.9999% pure. So on a commercial level, it is, it is possible to bring gold up to a very high level of purity. But even if you add a few more nines onto that, you can never get it at 100%. Why? Because it's impure on a molecular level. Hmm. This is very interesting. Let me share this with you, a little science here. One gram of gold. Let me find my little note here. One gram of gold has over 30 trillion. And if I'm correct, it's even higher than a quadrillion atoms in it, in one little tiny gram. So you have all of these atoms, billions upon billions, trillions upon trillions of atoms, all in just one single gram of gold. And of course, if you want an ounce of gold, that's a whole bunch of grams. The problem is, is that with, with all of these trillions and billions and all of these long zeros of atoms that are in there, there's no way that you can get all of them pure. There will be some little alloy somewhere in there. And that's why everything eventually will be swept clean with a divine heavenly fire. Praise God. Now watch this. Revelation 21 verse 21. Did you know that gold can be refined so pure that it's translucent? But we don't have that technology here on earth. It's only available in heaven, in the heavenly realm. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 21. And I'm about to tell you the three things you need to stock up on. You absolutely must have in the end times. You're crazy. You're totally crazy if you're going to try to make it in the end days without these three things. But before that, look at verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. This is a description of, of heaven. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. Uh, see, that's 100%, not 99.99999. No, this is 100% pure gold, like transparent glass. Woo! Woo! Earth is a reflection of heaven. Earth has beauty. You can look at the Colorado Rocky Mountains, and you could look at the, uh, the Pacific Ocean, and you can look at all of these natural wonders, the Grand Canyon or whatever it might be, and you can say there's a lot of beauty here. But my friends, 
Uh, heaven has no sin, no darkness, no shadows. Heaven is utter holiness and beauty and a place of light and total peace. And it is a place where the streets, there's so much opulent wealth, the streets are made of solid gold, and the gold is so pure, it's translucent. You can see through it. Can I tell you another secret? When many people think about the blood of Christ, they think it's red. That's a little bit like looking at your arm and seeing your veins, and you think, my blood's blue. Well, no, it's it looks blue, and it is in that sense because it has not been exposed to oxygen, but when it comes out, it's red. Well, Pastor Stephen, is it blue or red? What, really, what color really is it? The blood of Jesus in the spirit realm is the color of light. It's beautiful light. Mm, it's glorious. Praise God. Wow. <laughs> Woo. You could say it's almost like translucent. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So earth needs to be cleansed and you don't want to put your trust in things that can be unstable and actually are perishable. Pastor Steve, I didn't think gold was perishable. It is. It is. One day it's all going to have to be melted down, cleansed. The whole planet's going to have to be cleansed. The bottom of the oceans, the top of the oceans, even the top of the mountains. I mean, have you ever seen the top of uh, Mount Everest? It's just littered with garbage. All of these oxygen tanks that climbers take to the top of the mountain, they take their photo. I made it to the top of Mount Everest. And on the way down, as they descend, they're just dropping oxygen tanks. So it's just a place of more and more pollution. I used to do some metal detecting. You could be out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you could be miles and miles from a house, miles and miles from electricity, out in the middle of a desert, out in the middle of a wilderness, and you get a signal on your metal detector, and you dig it up, and it's a pull tab from an old soda can. And you think, wow, somebody's been out here. Yep, out there littering, throwing junk on the ground and on and on, junk all over the place. <laughs> it's going to be a massive cleanup job. Swept the universe and the earth swept by fire. Mm -mm. And you know, the earth needs it to remove all of the stench of the devil. Mm -mm. Because after, after he's in that bottomless pit for a thousand years, he will be let out for a short season. All of the mystic saints say that that short period of time is only three and a half years. He will gather a group of rebels again together and give one final attempt to overthrow the Lord. He'll be squashed like a bug, and then he will be taken and thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone for all eternity. And then we roll into the glory, amen, where the sweeping and the cleansing takes place. Praise God. So there are things more valuable than gold, and these are things that you need to invest into in the end times. I'm not saying you shouldn't have silver, you shouldn't have gold, and uh, th those are things that God created. So they have value, and if you have the ability to grab some, or the Holy Spirit leads you to grab some, God bless you as you go in whatever direction the Holy Spirit leads you. Praise God. But these three things are more valuable than gold, and you need to stock up on them. Number one, you need to stock up on faith. Mm. 
Mm. You know, there's a scripture that says they will throw their silver and gold in the streets. <laughs> so what are you going to do then? Okay. Praise the Lord. You need to be strengthened financially, but your faith must be in the Lord. It must be in the Lord. And we see that here through the teachings of St. Peter, who says that your faith refined, your faith purified is worth more than gold. It's worth more than gold. And you need to understand that. So let your focus be on faith, developing your faith to overcome, to move ahead. Praise God. Maybe even to have some gold. Amen. To be blessed. And also to give some. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But faith will get you through, even if you have no gold and silver. Faith will give you through that even, let's say you're a German, and you're coming out of World War II, and your currency is shot. It's, I mean, it's done. <laughs> you take it and just burn it, because it has no value. What do you do when things like that happen, where things are beyond your control? What do you do? You must have faith in God. I enjoyed reading the story of the young Christian boy who was touched by the Spirit he wanted to give to missions. And he said, oh God, that you would bless me that I could support missionary work. And he was out in his backyard one day and there was a tree and two $1 bills had gotten stuck in the tree. And he said, Lord, I will take these two $1 bills. I'm going to give them to you. And as long as you continue to bless me, I will continue to support missions. And he went out there three days later and he found $5 had blown and gotten stuck from somewhere in that tree. And he took that and he gave that to the work of missions and he kept his pledge. And he said, Lord, I believe you can do more within two months, $742 had been blown and got stuck in that tree somehow. Amazing. Incredible. True story. Praise God. This is a product of faith. This is what faith can produce when other things are either shut down or blocked. And now it's just you and God. This is when your the authenticity of your faith is proven. The great saint of God, the man that they call daddy geo in Nigeria, the general overseer of the redeemed church, pastor Enoch at told the story about his parents who lived before him, of course, and went through a famine in Africa. And his parents were believers. They loved God. And he talked about the time during the famine, as the famine began, the Holy Spirit spoke to his mother and said to his mother, I'm going to provide for you during breakfast, lunch, and dinner three times a day. During those three times, go into the kitchen, lift the lid off the pot, serve out of the pot onto the plates for your family put the lid back on the plot on the pot and do not ever look into the pot and I will take care of you. Well, the famine begins the roll and the, the place is being affected by famine. There's no food. So she goes in there for breakfast, lifts the pot off, doesn't look, serves out onto the plates, puts the lid back on and she has served a full chicken dinner course. Well, it's actually like a breakfast course for everybody. She goes back at lunch, takes the lid off, serves again, puts the lid back on, looks at the food. This time it's a, a beef dinner. She goes back at dinner, takes the lid off, doesn't look, serves all the food, puts the lid back on. This time it's a fish dinner. This went on day after day after day through the whole famine. 
She didn't need gold or silver. She didn't need a storehouse of old stale food. By the way, did you know that most of that, those meals that they sell for getting through the tribulation, you have to mix it with water? Did you know it tastes awful? <laughs> Do you really want to eat that for three and a half years? It's like gross. <laughs> It's not real food. <laughs> a lot of people buying it. Yeah, I've got my food stored up, Pastor Stephen. Have you ever tried to eat that stuff? It's like junk. Wow, you're going to have some serious constipation. Woo, Lord have mercy. But see, she's over here with her family eating like royalty. And that went on until the famine lifted. And one day after the famine had lifted, she takes the lid off and looked into the pot, and there was nothing in there. Nothing in there. And also, that's when the miracle food stopped. Mm. Authentic faith, authentic living, praise God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I remember the time here in the local community, a godly man and his wife, they moved here. But before they moved, they were, uh, I think they were like, um, they were up north somewhere. It was, you know, real cold in the winter. And they felt led to move, like many have, to Moravian Falls because God supernaturally told them, now don't do that if God doesn't tell you to do that. But that's how God told my wife and I, supernaturally told us to come here. We've been blessed because we're in God's will. But God told this couple, uh, and they're in their 70s now, to move down here. And so they, they got here just before we did. So they moved down here. But before they moved, the wife was like telling the husband, we don't have enough money we can't, we can't even make the move. And the husband said, honey, God will provide. This is God's will, and God will provide. She said, and she got mad. She said, now, come on, we have to be real. What do you think? Money grows on trees? And the husband was like, honey, God will make a way. God will make a way. They went to church that night. That was the last night they were going to go to that church before they were supposed to move and drive down here. They went to church that night, and when they walked into the foyer of the sanctuary, there was a tree about this tall, like a fake plastic tree, and it had branches on it and everything like that, but it was big, like seven foot tall, and it had money clipped to the tree, money all over the tree. And the wife saw that when they walked in, she got a little nervous, because she know she remembered what she said earlier although she didn't know what in the world that was for, the tree. The pastor that night preached a sermon. Then when he concluded the sermon, he said, well, we know that this precious couple is moving. We want, we want to bless them before they leave. And so we have created a money tree for them. And they brought the tree forward, and the pastor hands the tree. He hands a tree with money all over it to the woman that said a couple of hours earlier, what do you think, money grows on trees? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the husband had faith. Now, she also had faith, but she had a weak moment. That's where the refining is so critical. You must go through the refinery so that you can stand before the Lord and you can say, Lord, I trusted you. <laughs> when it got really crazy, I trusted you. Again, that's where the language of silence, which is an expression of faith. Sometimes the language of silence is critical. Woo! Well, he gave them the money. The pastor gave them the money tree, and they had more than enough, more than enough to move comfortably and re get repositioned. And they've been here blessed ever since. I know what it's like to be in the furnace where God is smelting 
the ore out of you, the impurities out of you. He's getting all that stuff out of, out of your faith. See, it's not some kind of general trial. No, no, no. It is a, is a fiery refinery experience working on your faith. And so I know what it's like. I, I've been through it. Uh, my wife and I used to travel with a motorhome all over the country from one side of California to North Carolina, back and forth from Texas to Montana, and all in between. We're going all over the place. We did that for almost three and a half years, driving all over the place, preaching from church to church, meeting the meeting, until we were at a place where the, the motorhome was just too slow. And then we moved to another level. But there were some real furnace moments. I remember one time where I'd gone to a meeting to minister and the offering was so low. <laughs> it was really, really bad. And the, uh, the pastor was actually fighting bankruptcy. He was trying to liquidate and sell uh, almost anything he could get his hands on. So um, I came and did a meeting for him and we actually had people get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. God did miracles, but it was a small group and the offering I think it was like $40. And uh, so we used the $40 for some food and a little bit of gas money. But I'm not driving a car. I'm driving a motorhome. And it was maybe like nine miles per gallon with this big motorhome. And so I drove it as far as I could. And uh, I noticed that I was almost on zero. And then that the gas was at the zero level. Then I pretty much knew I was driving on fumes. But I had no money. I had no cash. I had no savings. Uh, I had no backup or anything like that. So I pulled off on an exit. There's a gas station, pulled into the gas station, and Kelly was in the front passenger seat, and she said, um, she said, Stephen, I think I'm going to go in the back and help Abigail with her homeschool work. I said, okay, praise the Lord. And I go outside there at the gas station, and I start cleaning the window. Why, Pastor Stephen, why don't you take out your ATM card and fill it up? Because there's no money in the, the account. And so it's not going to do anything. So I just stood there cleaning the window and saying, God, I give you praise. And then you could feel fire, fire, burning, burning. Working on what? Refining. Refining what? Your faith. <laughs> is it fun? <laughs> All I can say is I'm glad Peter said it's for a moment. It's not for a lifetime. But there are moments. Yeah, you're in it. And this, this faith stuff is either real or it's something, you know, or I, I've got to make some adjustments. But I just stood in the middle of that fiery trial, and I just knew God was going to do something. And my cell phone rang. I answered my cell phone. It was a ministry partner. Said, Pastor Stephen, how are you today? Well, I'm doing good, praise God. And we talked just for a moment, and the, the person said, well, how's your ministry doing? Is everything Okay. I said, well, now that you ask, um, there is a little bit of a situation that I could use a little help with. And the person said, well, do you, you need an offering? Do you need a little money? I said, well, that would be a blessing at this moment. And the ministry partner, she said, well, I'll tell you what. She said, I'm going to go down today, and I'm going to mail a check in the mail to you. And I said, sister, God bless you. That's wonderful. I said, may I ask you a question if you could do something a little extra out of the ordinary instead of taking a check and putting it in the mail would you perhaps be able to go down to the bank and take that same amount in cash and deposit it directly into what my account number is because she actually had the same bank which is bank of america which is nationwide 
Well, she said, well, Pastor Stephen, sure. She said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go do that right now. I said, well, that would, now I never told her I'm standing here at a gas station with no gas, no money. I never said anything like that. I just said, well, praise the Lord. I tell you what, that would be a real blessing. Would you even do an extra special thing on top of that? Well, sure, Pastor Stephen, what's that? Would you call me and let you know and let me know as soon as you've done it? She said, sure. She said, I'm going to go right now. So she hangs up and I just keep cleaning the windshield. I even cleaned the lights. I started cleaning all kinds of things. <laughs> and about 25 minutes later, she called. She said, um, Pastor Stephen, the money's in the bank, which is the ministry account. She said, it's there. I said, well, praise the Lord. I sure do appreciate that. And I thank you for being sensitive to the Lord. And so she hung up. I never told her that I'm standing here uh, with no way out because I knew God was going to do it somehow. But you know what? That was hot. Woo! That was hot because I can't drive any further. You can't run the generator. That's just going to drain the gas more. And I had no other options except for the Lord. And right there, he came through for me right when I needed it. And, and then when she told me, uh, it's done, and she hung up, I pulled out my ATM card, walked over to the pump, put it in, and whoosh, it went right through, and I filled it up. And then I walked into the convenience store, and I got me a bag of chips, and I got me a drink, praise the Lord. I felt like a king, praise God. I felt like I was standing before the Lord, and the Lord was seeing that my faith was being purified for His glory, His praise, and His honor. <laughs> Woo! I didn't start cussing. I didn't start fussing. I just stood while the fires raged and impurities, praise the Lord, got taken away. Amen. Was it fun? No, it was hot. Ooh, it was hot. And I've had other times like that too. Other times were right at the last minute. God did it. Would I prefer that? Uh, I would prefer to have it ahead of time. And, you know, that, that way you don't have that, whew, that fiery feel. But I, I'm not the one running this. God is, praise God. And it's as he plans and as he chooses. But my friends, you need to stock up on your faith. And you need to, why? Because it's more important than gold. And you need to stock up on wisdom because wisdom is also more important than gold. We see that in the book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. You know, in these days in which we're living, we have preppers that are prepping for the tribulation or the apocalypse, whatever it is they're uh, gearing up for. And you have also these people that are called stackers, where they buy silver and they stack it, and they look at it every day and count it. They stack silver and they stack gold. I advise you to stack faith. I advise you to prep with wisdom, praise God. Mm -mm. Because if you can walk in faith, then you know how to get into the miracle power of God. If you can walk in wisdom, amen, you'll, you'll always know what to do because that anointing touching your mind with wisdom. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. There's always a way ahead. Thank you, Jesus. So you need to stock up on wisdom, especially. And we do see that also in Proverbs chapter 8, 
Verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared to her. That includes bullets, machine guns, gold, fiat currency, uh, canned soup, or whatever it might be. Amen. So you need faith, and you need wisdom. Praise God. And also, if you have not yet stocked upon this, this is the most important thing in your end-time pantry. Amen. It's the blood of Jesus. Now, you have to understand in the entire universe, of all the rare things, and that's what causes prices to go up, is rarity or exclusivity, whether it's platinum or gold or whatever it might be. It's, it's rarity that increases its value. But the blood of Jesus is the most valuable substance in the entire universe. One drop is worth more than all the gold in the earth. Did you know that you could take all of the gold in the world and you can fit it onto the infield of a baseball field between home first, second and third, you can stack all of the world's gold right there. And it's going to be about 30 feet high. That's all the gold there is in the world. But one drop of the blood of Jesus is worth more than all of the wealth and riches in the world. The child of God, who may hardly have any material blessing, but who is washed with the blood of Jesus, and whose faith and trust in Jesus has more wealth than Elon Musk, than Bill Gates, than Warren Buffett, and George Soros all put together. Because that saint will be walking on streets paved, not paved, but that are made of solid, pure, translucent gold. Amen. Glory to God. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? So you need to have the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Well, hold on a minute, uh, Pastor Stephen. I know what some of you are thinking. You're actually thinking blood is perishable. Then why is the blood of Jesus the most valuable thing if it's perishable? Blood is perishable. Have you ever thought about that? Even at these blood banks, let's say you go to a blood bank and you give a donation of blood because maybe there is an accident. They need more blood. Okay. Let's say you give your blood. Did you know at the most, at the longest, you're the longest that you can keep blood is for three weeks. That's the maximum shelf life of blood. And it has a lot of variables that are very tricky in dealing with it. You have to keep it very, very cold. And it just doesn't, no matter how delicate you are in its treatment, it doesn't last very long. So if blood is so perishable, then how come the blood of Jesus is not perishable? Well, let's take a look at that very quickly. First Peter chapter one. Mm, we're ready for the end times. We're ready for anything. Amen. With faith and wisdom and the blood of Jesus. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Remember, people say technically that silver and gold is not corruptible. It is. It is, which is why it's all got to be cleansed one day by fire. Because on a molecular level, it's not pure and never can be 
until it's cleansed by God. Woo! Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. Oh, that means then that you are redeemed with something that's incorruptible. Yes. What is that? But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the blood of Christ will never, ever perish. It's imperishable. Amen. And it is a liquid light type substance that comes through the child of God and washes their sins away and creates protection and a barrier over your life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for anyone right now that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You must be washed with the blood of Jesus. It is the, he is the only way. Faith and trust in Him is the only way to heaven. Mm. So if you're watching right now and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, then I want you to pray this prayer after me. Also, if you're watching, but you have fallen away from the Lord, or at one point you turned away from God, you need to come back to Him. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer also. Now, pray this right now. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to You. Wash me with Your precious blood. Wash me clean from all sin. And write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Give me your eternal life. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And he has heard that prayer and has answered it. You now belong to him. You now belong to him. The imperishable kingdom of God. Mm -mm. Lord, we praise you. Now, for the believers... I believe this will be your testimony. One final scripture, Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. I believe this is going to be your testimony. Verse 8. Job says, look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. What do you do? Okay. You do not walk by sight. You walk by faith. That's what you do. Pastor Stephen, I can't see God in this. You walk by faith. In the Word. Pastor Stephen, I'm not really feeling anything over here. Walk by faith. Pastor Stephen, I'm reaching over here trying to touch Jesus. Uh, it seems like nothing's there. Walk by faith. Stay on the Word. Trust Him. Even when fiery trials come. Verse 10. But He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. In the Amplified, it says, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as refined gold, pure and luminous. That's you. Praise God. Amen. The trials, the test, the heat is only for a moment. Let it work. Let it refine your faith so that your faith is authentic. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But I believe just like Job, you're going to come forth. You're going to walk in the double portion, the double blessing. You're going to walk in prosperity. You're going to walk in kingdom authority. You're going to walk in health, 
Praise the Lord and enjoy and strength, and you're going to be a blessing to many people. Lift your hands. Father, we just thank you that there are things in this world that have value. But Father, the true value is in, in those things that cannot perish. So Father, we thank you today that we embrace faith in you, faith in your word. We embrace your wisdom. And Father, we embrace and accept and celebrate the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. Let us be full of what edifies, full of what would prepare us not only for victory in this life, but also for eternity. And Father, I pray, I pray you let your people have also some silver and some gold. Amen. Let it even be as a token reminder, Father, that every time that they see it, that they have it in their possession, that they know that these things are temporal, but our true faith and trust is in you. Now, Father, we thank you that that be so as we base it upon the book of Genesis chapter 13, where Abraham was rich in livestock and then silver and gold. Now, we thank you, Father. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God today. You're ready for the end times. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. I would like for you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise the Lord. And let's pray. Mm -mm. This is the love feast. Praise God. Let's celebrate together. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it through this prayer. We set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We walk by faith, not by sight. We look and we see what still appears to be a wafer and grape juice. But we thank you that it is the veiled form of the body and the blood of our Savior. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for understanding that faith will get us through. Faith will get us over. We thank you, Father, that you do bless us with things, but our trust is in you, not in those things. Father, we know that in the early church, they had their houses plundered. They had their savings plundered. And they counted, they counted it something that they could rejoice in, in the sense that they knew they were meant for eternity, not just for a moment. Father, our security is in you. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for your blessing. We thank you that we are in the moment. We are, you are empowering your people supernaturally. But you want us to keep our eyes and our faith on you. So, Father, we now receive the flesh of the Lord. And we thank you, O oh God, that we're stocking up on what is essential for end time, not only survival, but thrival. We're thriving in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as refined gold, pure and luminous. Some of you are in the furnace. You feel the heat right now. Stand on the word. Declare the word. Praise God. And give the Lord glory. 
You're coming out just like Job, refined, illuminating the glory of God upon your face. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We pray, Father, that if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them and we bless them and we move on with you. And we thank you, Father, that we ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you that the blood is working today. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. The Lord is unveiling destiny right now. Father, we just give you praise. Let your Holy Spirit move. We thank you, Father God. Somebody's watching. You've had, a, um, you've had trouble breathing. You even have the oxygen tank close by you. Uh, and you, there's a mask close by that you take supplemental oxygen and other, you have other breathing, breathing aids. God wants to heal you right now. Father, I pray for that, that person, and I believe there's more than one. Father, I speak life into their lungs. I thank you, Father God, for a resuscitation of breath in their lungs. Father, I rebuke whatever sickness or disease has, called this, has caused this situation, and I release your healing power now into their body. Take it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Stephen, if that's me, what should I do? Get up and now go for a walk. Praise the Lord. Amen. Begin to exercise those, those lungs. God's healing your body right now. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, we are in the last days, but the end is not yet. The gospel first the gospel of the kingdom first has to be preached to all the world, to all the nations. I know for a fact that there are entire ethnic groups that have never heard of the term Bible, that have never heard of the term Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They don't know anything about God. We still have a lot to do. Amen. Let God bless you so that we can continue to expand God's everlasting kingdom. Thank you for watching. See you back again real soon. Bye-bye.